I've, for our guests, we're making our way through the book of Joshua in a series we've titled, Possess Your Land. So today we come to an interesting passage that has great help for us if we'll allow it. So in verse number one, and it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them any more because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise all the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were the men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord swore unto their fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. The title is this, Success and Submission. Success and Submission. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing to honor God's word as you read it. Well, Alex is getting ready to bail on our family. And the schedule worked out where... Our family could sing together one more time before she heads off to school, but that's not the point. The point is that we have a God who is faithful in every circumstance and deserves to be praised in every circumstance, and that's what this song is about. It's called, I Will Lift My Praise.
thinking about Pastor Cook while we were singing that song, if I'm on the mountain high, you're in the valley low, and he deserves to be praised through all of that. I'm so, so thankful for it. It's a blessing. Well, how many of you remember the terror of report cards? You know, the, sometimes the teachers, they, they give you a heads up. It's like, hey, you know, you're going to get your quarterly or your semester report card. And you're just, you're at the altar the Sunday before begging God that your parents won't remember that a meteor will fall from heaven and blow up your house or something. And like, you remember that. And so that particular week, your room is cleaner than it's ever been. Like the chores are done at a level that they're not typically done at. And uh, maybe your mom or your dad notices. They say, man, you're doing a really good job on those chores. Like, That's, I'm glad you noticed that. <laughs> I'm glad you're paying attention to the success there. I'm glad you are appreciating the effort that I'm making as your son <laughs> in order to achieve those things that are important to you. I'm thankful for that. And, and, and by the way, my report card came in. It's all good. You got nothing to worry about. I'll, I'll just make sure the teacher knows that I told you about it. Oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. Did you ever have your parents say it's okay if they didn't see your report card? That's <laughs> ah, all right. Just go eat some candy. <laughs> I mean, that's what I hoped would happen. It, it unfortunately did not. And so even though the chores improved, even though there were successes, 
your parents look at the report card, and, and understand with the report card, and, and this is the way we parent our children. I'll just throw this little bit of advice in for free. It's not about you being as good as anybody else. That's not what it's about. It's about you being the best that we know you can be. And your parents usually have a pretty good idea whether or not you're putting forth the kind of effort that you need to. You see, I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned that my children have an A or a B or a C. That's not my concern. My concern is that my children are doing the very best that they can because God doesn't create people equally. Y'all, okay, maybe I need to change the message this morning. You know, here's the truth. If we're honest, some people have to work really hard to get a C, something like that. And I'm okay if you have to work hard for that. What I'm not okay with is if you could be getting a B or an A and you're settling for C's and D's because you're a lazy twit. You want to do this and this. Dad, I got to hit people up on the gram or whatever it is. My kids don't hit anybody up anywhere. (laughs) But I always wanted, you know, Dad and Mom, when it comes to the report card time, Dad and Mom... Would you just just be happy with the things I do well? Like, I love sports really well. Some of, see, y'all don't appreciate it either. Like, I'm super passionate about it. I know players' names and stats. I mean, that can count as math, can it? I can tell you about games from before I was born. I mean, I know I know nothing about important history, but I know about the University of North Carolina, hallelujah. I know about that time they beat Duke. I, I can tell you about MJ. I mean, that's got to count for something, right? The number 23, I get an A, right? Here's, here's the problem. As, as good parents, they did not allow the success I was enjoying in certain areas to blind them to my need to improve in other areas. And sometimes when it came to my report card or it came to other areas of weakness in my life, I would want to neglect this area. I would want to neglect this problem. I would want to neglect this flaw. And the way that I would deal with it is rather than trying to correct it, I would just want to cover it up by directing attention to the Areas in which I have been very successful. Pointing attention to the things that I was doing very well. Here in our text, the children of Israel, as this new generation is beginning to make their way into the promised land, they've already enjoyed military victory. And they have already seen God work, make a way. As As the song said, he made a way when there was no way. When he brought them across the Jordan... I love this point. It's not that he showed them the way across. He made a way where there was no way. And that's what God does with salvation. That's what God does through tragedy. That's what God does through broken hearts. That's what God does through colossal failures. God makes a way where there is no way because he's God. And so when we get to chapter 5, we, see, we preached on verse 1 last week, but I want you to get the picture in the context of this whole story. All of the kingdoms that are opposing them, they are terrified of them because they see the work of God on their behalf. They see how God is making a way for them. 
They see how God is protecting and providing for them and removing obstacles that seem impossible. And they begin to fear and be afraid and realize we have no power to stand before this army, to stand before this nation. If their God is doing that for them, we don't have a chance. Here's how you, here's how you could describe them. As they enter chapter 5, they have been very Excuse me, they have been very successful in coming into the promised land and beginning to advance in the promised land. Huge success. But it's almost like in verse number two, God says, time out, children. We need to look at your report card. And over here, you've got some A's. You've enjoyed some success But there's an area of neglect that is very important, and that needs to be corrected. We read in verse 2 that the Lord said to Joshua that the issue of circumcision had been neglected. Now understand the biblical history of circumcision. It was given, it was instituted to Abraham with Isaac and Ishmael, and it was meant to be the physical symbol within the body of men of God's covenant with his people and also of their submission to God. Now, I don't, I don't want to be inappropriate here, and so please keep your mind appropriate as well, but for Abraham... That was a huge step of submission for him. You understand that when it comes to circumcision, it's extremely painful when it's done as an infant. And I'm thankful that there are certain procedures like that that I have no recollection of. But these are grown men. And it would be extremely excruciating. It would be extremely debilitating for several days, possibly even weeks. And so for them, to, for them to go through with this act, to get this corrected, it would be a tremendous act of submission. But in order to understand the importance of submission, you've got to understand the importance of what it represented with the Hebrew children. And that was this. God had made a promise to Abraham that through him and his descendants, through his seed, All the families of the earth would be blessed. That was fulfilled ultimately through the coming of Jesus Christ. And through that family, all the families of the earth have been blessed. You don't go to heaven because you're a Jew. You go to heaven because you have Jesus in your heart. You go to heaven because you're saved by grace through him. But the circumcision that was instituted in the Old Testament, I understand in the New Testament, it became corrupted by religious leaders. And early on in Acts, you see the New Testament church battling over the necessity of being circumcised in order to be saved. And aren't you thankful that there's nothing that needs to be added in order for a person to be saved? This isn't about, this message isn't about the, what people think about the, the scientific or medical practice of circumcision. That's not what it's about. When it was instituted, according to biblical history, it was a sign, it was a mark, it was a testimony that you belong to God. 
that was important to God. And it was important to God that his people be willing to submit to that process. Well, here we see Israel's failure. Oh, wait, by the way, let me, let me jump back to this. Many people want the blessing without the submission. Many people want the good that he gives without being submitted to his authority. We do not preach that you have to submit to Jesus in order to keep your salvation. That is heresy. We do preach, however, that Jesus has a right since he purchased you with his own blood. Like he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That Jesus has the right to dictate to us how we ought to live our lives. So this was Israel's failure. While they were wandering in the wilderness under God's judgment... It was neglected. This practice of circumcision was neglected. As we read in the text in verse number 5, all the people that came out were circumcised. It had been passed on and it had been practiced. But this initial group that came out of the, the oppression that was in Egypt, they had a rebellious heart and a rebellious spirit. It's not a shock that those rebellious people neglected to obey. And it's not surprising that they would ignore this matter. And if they would refuse to enter the promised land, and if they would harden their heart and complain against Moses, if they would long for the supposed comforts of Egypt, and you always view the oppression of sin better when your faith is being, better than it actually is when your faith is being tested a little bit, they longed to go back to Egypt, completely forgetting how much difficulty they had there. And instead of trusting God to provide, their hearts were hardened, and they complained. They were ungrateful, and they refused to live by faith. And so God judged them by causing them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years so that everyone from the age of 20 years old and upward, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, died in the wilderness. These people were consumed with themselves and they had no concern or regard to follow God. And so it's not a surprise that if they wouldn't follow God in big areas, that they were neglecting these other areas that maybe didn't seem to them as important. I want you to take notice of this. I'll mention this again. I'm mentioning it twice on purpose. I'm so glad that faith can be passed down generationally. But neglect can be passed down generationally as well. And this neglect had been passed down generationally. And so God says, I know you've made success and I, I know you're moving forward and, and I am making that happen and I am advancing you and you will continue to enjoy that blessing. But there is an area that needs to be corrected in this, this process this symbol of my covenant with you and this symbol of your submission to me, it's necessary that that be passed down, that that be practiced because I am God and I have the right to institute and I have the right to expect these things from you. And so before you move forward one more step, before you have one more victory, before you face Jericho, before you go on and begin to possess the land by tribes and plant your gardens, plant your fields, and raise your flocks and raise your families, you need to understand there's been an area of spiritual neglect and it must be dealt with. Now I'm amazed at God's wisdom in the timing of this because this was a problem before now. 
But aren't you thankful that God is patient and long-suffering in how he deals with us? Come on, stay with me. It's amazing. If you're thinking scientifically and medically, they're in a place of hostility. There is military conflict going on. And you just have to go back to Genesis to consider the example of Levi and Simeon and remember how it was they took out an entire city. They had all the men submit to circumcision under the guise of making an agreement with them. And then when they were incapable of defending themselves, they went in and murdered all of them. This is a seriously debilitating state in which they are placing themselves. Can I remind you? That it's always a good time to obey and trust God. That even when physically it doesn't make sense, God has a way of providing for you. And I love, I love God's timing in this. He He brings them across the Jordan River so that in verse number one, the hearts of all of these opposing forces are melted and afraid. So now they have time and space to deal with this. It's almost like God provides a covering through his blessing them, through his taking care of them and advancing them, and he gives them opportunity to address this issue. These nations are so paralyzed by fear that they have the time to deal with it. But then you have, and I've already begun to deal with this, but you ask yourself, what's so important about this? Why is it so critical that God would pause, that Joshua would make all these knives of stone, and that he would oversee the circumcision of all these males? Why is it it so important to God? Why did this matter so much that the forward movement of his people had to be put on hold in order for this to be corrected? And here's why it matters. It matters because it's the covenant God made, and it's an amazing covenant. It matters because of their submission to him. But in the end, here's why it matters. It matters because he's God, and they are his people, and he said it matters. And that's enough. I love this parenting truth. I love this parenting truth. And as my children get older, I apply this parenting truth liberally. I am okay if in a moment you don't agree with the decision that I make. I am okay if in a moment of decision that your dad or your mom, we, do, we move you in a direction and you say, that, that, that's not what I was hoping for and I don't, I, I'm not feeling great about it. I'm okay if you don't like everything that I tell you to do. Come on, moms and dads, we need to be secure enough to be okay if our kids don't like everything that we tell them to do. Because by the way, you didn't like everything your parents told you to do, hallelujah. I'm okay with that. I'm okay if in your heart you think, man, I really don't like that. But here's what I need you to work on. I did, we'll talk about why you disagree when it's appropriate, but this is what I need you to work on. That's my dad. That's my mom. They are from God, and as such, they have the right to give me direction. And I'm not going to obey them because I like it. I'm not going to obey them because I always understand it. I'm going to obey it because they're my parents, and I trust them. That is good parental advice. Let me me pause here. Again, I'm going to stay on the parental train for just a minute. You don't need to spend every waking minute trying to rationalize with your kids why they should obey you. 
You got to draw a line and say, you got to obey me because I'm dad. You got to obey me because I'm mom. There are appropriate times to explain why. And as they get older, to have those conversations with them. But they need to learn to obey you because you are dad and you are mom and you are from God. That's, yeah, that's true. But if that's good for our children, that's good for all of us as children. Because he's our heavenly father. And he didn't have to ask the nation of Israel. Mm, come on, don't you remember what they were when he redeemed them? They were a bunch of unorganized, oppressed people that had no direction and no leader. So he goes out and he takes this reluctant man who's been hiding in the wilderness from what God wanted him to do because he had gone about it the wrong way 40 years before. He's now in his 80s and he takes this man who makes excuse after excuse after excuse to the point that God is frustrated with him. And then he takes that man and his spiritually fluctuating brother Aaron who goes, let's serve God, then let's make a golden calf and call it God, and then let's blame it on all the people and I just threw the gold in it and this is what's in the fire and that's what came out. He took that and he made them a nation. He took that and he brought them through the Red Sea. He took that and he gave them water out of a rock. He took that and he gave them manna from heaven. He took that and he gave them victory over victory over victory over victory. He brought them across the Red Sea and he has them on the precipice of beginning to realize the dream he had for them for hundreds of years. I'm telling you with all that God had done for them and with them, he had a right to say, this is important. We need to be okay as children of God, that even if we don't understand everything every time, that God has a right to tell us how to live our lives. He does. And just like little children, as a child who in, even in your wise state from a human perspective, you will never achieve the same level of wisdom as your heavenly father in this life. As his child, you need to recognize that even if I don't like every single thing, every single time, that he has a purpose and he has a reason. And with all that he has done for me, it's my privilege to submit to him. Here's the danger and this is the statement, and we'll make some application. Successes in some areas never justify a lack of submission in other areas. Successes in some areas never justify a lack of submission in other areas. Let me, let me give you a few things to think about and then I'll just talk about some possible scenarios. Number one, as I've already mentioned, God has a right to demand our submission. He does. He redeemed us. He saved us. He has a right to expect that we live a life that is obviously for him. You know what God has a right to tell you to do? Love people. I'll just sit here. I'm good. You know what God has a right to do? To tell you to forgive. You know what God has a right to do? To tell you to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And God has a right to do, tell you to do? To submit and honor your husband. You know what God has a right to do? To tell you to have hope when you're hurting. 
God has a right to tell you what habits you ought to have, what habits you ought to change. God has a right to tell you to be faithful to his house, to the assembly of his people. Well, God has a right to tell us those things. You say, why does he have that right? Well, one, he's the creator. Number two, he's the savior. He's the redeemer. You think, you think we would get this. This is hard for children. This is hard for children. Because sometimes obedience is painful, isn't it? But we know this, that what we are telling them to do is for their good. It's for their good. And so we would think that we would understand that even obedience when it's difficult, God has our best interest in mind. Number two, lack of submissions will eventually produce major struggles or casualties and will limit the success that you were enjoying. It's so easy to get caught up in progress. It's so easy to only be focused on what's going well that we forget the, the areas that seem less important. And we're like, yeah, okay, God gave this to us and he told us about it. But it's not, it's not really that big of a deal. But if God says it's a big enough deal that you need to address it and deal with it, then it is a big deal. And if we don't correct those areas, that lack of submission is going to come back and haunt us in other areas. Number three, and here's where I repeat something that I already said. Just as you can pass on faith and submission, you can also pass on a lack of submission that will only increase generationally. You've heard this statement, what we do in moderation, our children will do in excess. Well, it's true both positively and negatively. And I'm thankful that even in this room, I'm looking on this side and I'm looking here and here and on this side. And I, I can see the physical testimonies to faith being passed down generationally and the stories of people being saved and walking with God and how that's been transferred to their children. And now those children are transferring it to their children. Man, I love singing with my family this morning. And I had, I had this conversation with my children not too long ago reminding them of this that you come from a godly heritage that before your dad and mom were ever alive there were grandparents and their parents who walked with God and loved him and that has been passed down and you have a responsibility to continue to live out that faith I'm thankful that faith can be passed on but if faith can be passed on spiritual neglect can be passed on as well spiritual Indifference can be passed on. If love and joy and peace can be passed on, bitterness and resentment and a complaining spirit can be passed on. If forgiveness and hope can be passed on, unforgiveness and despair can be passed on. If loving the work of God and the people of God can be passed on, then indifference to all of that can be passed on as well. You see in this, in this text they, that Joshua is having to correct something generationally. There were people that were 19 that by this time would have been 60 or close to it. 
And then there were people in their 50s, people in their 40s, people in their 30s, people in their 20s, people in their teens. Because when it's practiced properly, circumcision happens in the infancy. But there are from young boys all the way up to middle-aged men, there are men that are having to go through this because there has been a generational neglect that now has to be corrected. Number four. Submission will always lead to greater victories. Okay, add this to that. Submission is painful sometimes. I don't want, I'm, again, I'm not making light of this, but that was painful. Okay, just, it was painful. Not pleasant. Sometimes getting your attitude right is painful. Sometimes admitting that you have a problem is painful. Sometimes going through the process of making it right is painful. Sometimes admitting to your mom and dad that you've been lying and you've been hiding stuff on that phone. Sometimes admitting to your parents that you've been sneaking on that computer and looking at things that you shouldn't be looking at. Sometimes that's painful. Sometimes admitting to your parents that you're concealing an attitude and that you're doing things in the secret, that you're doing things behind their backs, sometimes that's painful. Sometimes it's hard to look at your wife and admit. Sometimes it's hard to look at your husband and admit. Sometimes it's hard to come talk to your pastor and say, man, this has gotten, this has gotten out of control. This isn't where it ought to be. Getting right, being obedient, being in submission is painful sometimes. But can I tell you, it always leads to greater victories. Mm. You know what happens in this text? They heal. Oh man, we're going we're gonna to be a church. Stay with me. I thought this was going to be a lot shorter message, but it's apparently not. So you need to help me by saying amen a little bit more, all right? So if you want me to get done quick, say amen more. Yeah, that's what I thought. Thanks for the JC. I appreciate it. No, we're going to be, I hope you don't mind, sis. We are going to be a church that preaches hope. There is not a sin from which a person cannot recover from. You say, no, wait, 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 wait. There are those things. No, Jesus died for whatever those things are. And this is a place where people can be restored and people can be healed and people can be helped and people can overcome. And I'm telling you, we are going to preach that and work for that and minister that. Mm. But you know what comes before healing? Submission. You know what comes before being made whole? Submitting to the cutting of God in your life to the work that he's trying to do. But that always leads to greater victories. <laughs> I want to finish up, but I'm, I'm just third about this point. I want you to get it. Young people, look at me. I want you especially to get this. Everybody else, you need this. When I was a teenager, I knew God had called me to preach. I was 17, 18. And I was, I was lying to my dad about something. And, and my, I lived a good enough life that my dad believed me and didn't pester me about those kinds of things. 
I've lied to him one time, looked him in the face. I can take you back to the spot I was when I did it, and for years, I hid it. I started, and I started struggling with my salvation. It was ridiculous. I remember as an 18-year-old being at camp, and I knew the reason I'm having all these spiritual struggles is because I've lied to my dad two or three years before, and I need to make it right. I was hyperventilating. I was crying so hard. But after a camp service, I got my dad and mom. I said, you remember this conversation? Yeah, son, I remember that. That I've been lying to you. It's amazing what God began to do in my life after that. But victory doesn't come before submission. You got to submit. It's possible. Let me just talk about some scenarios and I'm done. It's possible for a pastor to enjoy some public success. Ministry success. You know what I mean. Like, man, it seems like God's using our pastor. But privately neglect his wife. Privately neglect his children. Privately neglect some habit. It's possible to consistently be here, but not consistently be here. No, it's possible. By the way, I want to be, mm, I want to be a good preacher. I want to be a preacher by which God can feed your soul. No, I, I've given my life to this. I don't want to be mediocre at it. But God, don't misunderstand. I want God to use me in this way. But if this is all you're getting, you're not getting enough. And God isn't limited to a person. This book is alive. It's eternal. It's living. And God can talk to you every day of the week. Man, I love what Brother Mike said about Pastor Cook. When he talked about somebody, it was like he knew him. And Pastor Cook would talk to Brother Mike about Jesus like God was his neighbor. Guess what? He is. He has taken up residence in you. And if you'd open up the word on a consistent basis, if you would get with him on a daily basis, you would find he's not limited to a building. He's not limited to a Sunday morning or night or Wednesday or whenever else it is that he can speak to you any time. Words real. It's possible. Parents, parents, parents. It's possible to enjoy parental excess, success. Possible to enjoy parental excess, but to be neglecting certain areas of your marriage. Look, you can't, you will be the best parents when you are working on your marriage the way that you need to be. By the way, you had him or her first before you had any of those children. I, I love this. I tell my kids this. Look, I'm raising you to kick you out. <laughs> Send you on your way. Dave and Tina Thomas are back there shouting hallelujah, amen. Not in a negative way. I want to see them live for God. I want to see them get married. They better give me grandchildren. No, I... I'm raising them for that. But you know who I'm going to have the whole time, if God's willing? I have that woman. 
she going to have this man? You're like, well, she got the raw end of that deal. I know, but it's what she's got. So that's what we got to deal with. It's possible to have career success, but be neglecting a habit in your life. It's possible to be a great Sunday school teacher, to be a great trustee, and we have all of that. It's possible to be a great staff member. It's possible to be a great church member, but you're neglecting some area in your life. Like, I have this, I'm, I'm great at my job. But do you walk with God? What is your temper like at home? Are you investing spiritually in your family? What are your habits like privately? Successes in one area do not justify a lack of submission in other areas. Here's what happens. There are times when God comes to us with our report card. This has been good, but this needs to be dealt with. And God never says, because you're getting an A over here, that you're allowed to get a D over here. God never says that. So this morning, aren't you thankful for the successes God's allowing you to enjoy? And I'm thankful for it. I'm also aware of the lack of submissions that I need to work on in my own life. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. It's just been a unique day, and I'm, I'm thankful. Guest, I'm thankful for your attention to those who attend regularly, those who are watching online. I'm, I'm thankful for your attention. I just want to ask you to, to stay plugged in in this moment. Please stay plugged in. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if there would be someone that would say, I enjoy certain things, doing them well, but there's areas in my life, it, it may be my marriage, it may be a parental situation, it, it might, maybe I've been through some personal tragedy or devastation and just my attitude about some things. Maybe I, I have success at a job, but I don't, I don't have the kind of spiritual habits that I need. I, I, I have success in ministry, but I don't, I don't work at these other things like I need to. I wonder if there, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if there would be someone who would raise their hand and say, I, I'm, I'm, I have areas of success and I thank God for them. But there's areas of disobedience where I am not submitting like I need to. And God spoke to me about some of them, and I need his help. I want to get them right, and I need his help to get them right. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me. Please pray. Yep, I see him going up all over. God bless you for your honesty. You put him down. Can I tell you this? This is what I love. One of the things, one of the things I appreciate about Pastor Cook, even after he ceased to be a pastor and to have that title, he continued to strive to live a life of submission. I'm thankful for that. He gave testimony to that effect. Success. Maybe this morning there's some teenagers right now you need to go to your parents and you need to ask them to pray with you. Maybe there's some parents you need to go pray with your teens. Maybe there's some husbands and wives and you need to hit this altar together. Maybe there's some individuals and you just need to get on your face before God and say, God, 
I've, I've been content with this success, but I've neglected this lack of submission. I want to make it right. If God has spoken to your heart, let's all stand together while Brother Nate sings, Have Thine Own Way. And you come if the Lord has spoken to you. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. We're going to continue to sing. You respond to the Lord. There's no rush. Men, you can direct your attention this way. God is good to speak to us, and we're so thankful for his word. It's great to be together with you today, and for everyone that is watching online, thanks for tuning in. I want to second what Brother Max said. Guests, it's an honor to have you with us today. If this is your first time or you are a returning guest, thank you so much for being in our services. 
Look forward to having a great service tonight. I want to remind you, uh, we're looking forward to having the uh, love offering for Brother Ben Turn, um, as it was already said, West Valley style. And then um, we're going to have a little reception afterward, just, just some refreshment, some cake and punch to make sure your kids are sugared up before we send them home. And so we're just, we appreciate Brother Ben. He's been a blessing this summer and uh, looking forward to that time as well. And I've got a, I got a great story to tell you about Brother Ben and, Brother, and Pastor Cook tonight. And so I'll, uh, I'll save that for tonight. It'll be, it's a lot of fun. Just thankful for it. So uh, look forward to being with you tonight. Brother Nate will lead us in a final song. 